Good morning, everyone. It's, it's great to be with you. It's great to be worshiping together um, uh, on this uh, beautiful summer morning. I uh, want to wish a happy Father's Day out there to all of, the, all of our dads and uh, as well to those who have, who have been fathers to us throughout our lives. Um, hope you have a wonderful and special day. Today we continue our summer series called to where we're exploring the different ways that God calls us to participate in God's work of redemption in our world, and that we're called to participate in God's work just as we are. Flaws, faults, all those things. God calls us just as we are to participate in what God is up to in our world. Um, and we, we continue that uh, this day by looking at a kind of obscure story in Luke's gospel. So friends, I invite you to listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the eighth chapter of Luke's gospel, beginning with the 26th verse. Then they arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. As he stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons met him. For a long time, he had worn no clothes and he did not live in the house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him, he was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. But he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the wilds. Jesus then asked him, What's your name? He said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now there on the hillside, a large herd of swine was feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swine herd saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came out to see what had happened, and when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got in the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. This is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. As many of you know, I am a native Midwesterner who has spent most of my adulthood living in the South as I married a Virginian. Now, most of this time, this detail of where I'm from matters very little, especially in Warrenton, where so many of us have come from so many different states and parts of the country. But every once in a while, I have an experience where location and region still matter greatly. 
I still remember working as a counselor at Massanetta Springs when a young camper learned I was from Michigan, came up to me and greeted me with his big old accent saying, I'd like to, to uh, take this opportunity to welcome you to the United States of America. <laughs> Another me more recent um, memory stands out more though. The first time I ordered iced tea below the Mason-Dixon line, and I nearly spat out what I was drinking in surprise, thinking, what is this strange, odd, brown sugar water? <laughs> I soon learned of the wonder and majesty of Southern sweet tea and even came around to liking it. I say all this to, to share that location can really matter sometimes, and knowing where you are can really matter. And one place where this is often the case is in the Bible. Since we do not live in the ancient Near East and uh, our, our um, understanding of the geography of this region of the world is limited at best, save for the focused biblical scholars, it actually plays a really large role in just about every text in Scripture. And it's particularly important in today's reading, which I want to focus on it a little bit. Our Luke reading begins with Jesus crossing the sea from Galilee to the area of the Gerasenes. Luke tells us it's opposite Galilee. This is true because it's geographically the opposite of Galilee from, from the Sea of Galilee. But it's also culturally opposite. As here he gives us a clue that Jesus has crossed from Jewish territory into Gentile territory as he enters the land of the Gerasenes. This is the only brief time Jesus goes into Gentile territory in Luke's gospel. Matthew and Mark both have extended treks of Jesus into Gentile regions like Tyre and Sidon. But this is the only short time in Luke's gospel. But boy, does he make it count, and this really sets the stage for what Jesus' uh, disciples and, and followers in the early church will do in Acts of the Apostles as the gospel message is spread out into the Gentile world. So literally right when Jesus steps foot into Gentile territory for the first time in Luke's gospel, as soon as he steps foot, a demon-possessed man greets him. I find it so interesting in the gospels that the disciples, Jesus' own friends, and those who assumedly know him best and know what he's up to best, have the most trouble understanding who he is. Yet so often in the Gospels, it's the demons and the unclean spirits who know exactly who Jesus is right from the get-go. And here, as soon as he steps foot in, in this region, a man with demons greets him. This man had been tormented by many demons for a, a number of years now, and as a result, Luke tells us that he wore no clothes and he lived among the tombs. He lived among the dead out in the wilderness because no one wanted to be near him. He couldn't live in the city center. He couldn't live where people gathered. He was exiled out to the tombs. The man's demons beg Jesus for relief. They beg him not to be sent out into the abyss but rather to be sent into the herd of pigs that is wandering nearby. Jesus obliges their wish, and they go into the pigs, and then right off a cliff. It's a strange encounter, to say the least. 
particularly for Jesus as a Jewish man who would not be inclined to interact with unclean creatures like swine. Remember, he's in Gentile land and location matters. Yet Luke tells us this is what happens. But while odd and interesting, to me, it's not this encounter that matters so much as what happens right after. Just like the men herding the pigs, the man previously possessed by demons is healed, and then he runs back into the city to go tell people about it. This healed man goes from living alone among the tombs, being tormented among the very place of death, to being brought back into the wider community. His demons would have prevented him from not only living in the city, but even stepping foot in it. This act of Jesus' love and power delivers this man from death to life, from isolation to community. When the townsfolk of the Gerasenes hear about what happened to the pig farmers, they were scared, perhaps a little upset. I mean, could you blame them? It'd be tempting to blame this on a cultural gaffe of Jesus' part for being in Gentile land and not knowing any better. But if you look back in the gospel, he has already been rejected in his own hometown of Nazareth. So the townsfolk in the Gerasenes want Jesus and his disciples to leave. They are terrified. And so they make their way back to the boat. But as they do, guess who's there waiting for him? The man healed of his demons. He wants to go with Jesus, with this man that's healed him, that has made his whole life new again. Can you blame the guy for wanting to go with Jesus? Now, unfortunately, Jesus doesn't grant the man his wish. And I think this seems a little odd at first glance, right? I mean, Jesus has been calling disciples left and right so far in the gospel, telling people to drop everything to follow him. Now, this guy is all on board and volunteers to do so, doesn't need any convincing whatsoever. And Jesus tells him, no, stay put. Luke, as a gospel writer, is famous for portraying a sometimes inconsistent Jesus, telling one person one thing and telling somebody in the very next chapter something pretty much the opposite of that. This is particularly true when it comes to how Jesus talks about money and possessions. Now, while this could be a little confusing, I personally love this about Luke's gospel. I think he does to show this that there's no such thing as a one-size-fits-all way of being a disciple. Beyond trusting in Jesus as Lord, everything we do as disciples is contextual to our own lives, our own experience, our own stories. So unlike allowing this healed man to follow, Jesus tells him something else. He says, stay put and declare how much God has done for you. Jesus doesn't reject this man's plea to be a, a disciple. Rather, he affirms his call to serve God, not by following Jesus on his journey forward, but to serve God by staying exactly where he is, to stay in his hometown by declaring what God has done in healing him. In this call, Jesus not only affirms this healed man, he affirms this man's story and experience, saying that this through him, he can help others better understand who God is and how much God loves us in Jesus. 
I think too often we in the church have a tendency to glamorize those with calls to discipleship to do big, amazing things like mission work overseas. Now, don't get me wrong, there is nothing wrong with this wonderful and needed work of sharing the gospel. But for most of us, I'm guessing, God calls us to be disciples exactly where we are. Like this healed man, we are called to use our gifts, our story, our experience to declare and share how we've seen God at work in our lives and how we can participate in that in the world around us. This week, our youth are participating in the first ever Serve Fauquier program. Our youth joined with those of a number of different congregations in Warrington will be joining together to do service work each day this week around our community, participating with local nonprofits and, and helping in, in ways that we can care for and share God's love with our neighbors. I honestly can't think of a better story for us to read and think about as our youth begin this program tomorrow. For those of you who are going, I know there's a few of you out there. I hope this story stays with you. I hope you hear Jesus' words to this man as your own charge to service. Declare what God has done for you right here in your own hometown. Share God's love with your neighbors right where you are and just as you are. Using your own stories, your own experience, your own understanding of who God is to share that love with those around you. Friends, our youth this week will be embodying Jesus' words to the healed man. They serve as a shining example for each of us on how we might declare God's love exactly where we are and exactly as we are to our neighbors. Our lesson today reminds us, friends, that to Jesus and to the God that we know in Jesus, our stories, our experiences, our gifts, they all matter. They all contribute to who we are as disciples and how we can particularly share God's love just as we are right where we are. So friends, may we go do that. May we cheer on our youth as they go to serve this week, but may we also think and pray and reflect how each of us are called to share God's love, to declare what God has done right here, right where we are, right just as we are, for our own experience, our own gifts, our own stories. Because according to Jesus, they matter. Amen.